What is going on, my fellow geeks? Three movies with elves and a guy with a white beard. Not a lot of people accept it as canon. 2022 will be the year of Star Wars. Well, I have more than just one piece of geek news. I have been Isaac Hunter. Which is like high culture, but better. Hello, fellow geeks, and welcome back to another episode of Raving Geeks, the weekly pop culture podcast where we talk about all things geeky and geek culture, which is like high culture, but better. My name is Hope Goodall, host of the Raving Geeks podcast, along with my co-host, who will introduce himself in a minute with our question of the week. If you're just joining us for the first time and you happen to like this episode and want to check out more, you can check out our other episodes at cm-life.com and any other place that you listen to podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Just search Central Michigan Life Podcasts Raving Geeks. Um, so our question of this week's episode is going to give a little bit of insight into our topic as well as into us as geeks and our geekiness. So, Carter, what move is one movie? Try to pick just one, but also I know like my answer for this is it depends on the time and like how I'm feeling. So if you need to explain a couple, that's fine. Um, but what is one movie you could watch on repeat and never get tired of? Oh, that's easy. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. I can always constantly put that movie on in the background whenever I'm doing. Um, it's always great work for inspiration. Uh, it's just one movie. I have all the quotes are in my head. I know when this situation happens or when this scene happens. Uh, it's probably the movie I watched most as a kid. I just had that thing on repeat and I'm surprised that my DVD of it still works today. I still have the T, I think it's the THX full screen brand DVD that came out in 2006. And I'm surprised it still works, honestly. Sounds about uh, right. Um, so like I was <laughs> thinking that it depends on my mood because sometimes I need that like good action sequence movie. Um, but honestly, but and then because sometimes I'm also like in the feels, but I need comedy where it's not too romantic. So I'm gonna say for like romantic stuff the proposal with Sandra Bullock, Betty White, mm -hmm. and uh, Ryan Reynolds. Um, in general, it's going to be 10 Things I Hate About You, the 90s movie with uh, Heath Ledger and a young George Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And then um, if I need action, that one also depends, but honestly, probably if one that I would watch straight through without like skipping around stuff would be Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. Yeah, that's a great movie. Okay, so as usual on Raving Geeks, we like to give you guys a bit of geek news. So Carter, what have you got for us this week? We've had a busy week in terms for news. Uh, just today, uh, this is more bad news in my opinion, but the Russo brothers came out on their adaption of the live action Hercules movie and they said, is going to be a musical inspired by quote-unquote TikTok. And the quote I have right here is that audiences today have been trained by TikTok, right? What is their expectation of what the that musical looks like and feels like, Joe Russo said. And I got 
I got a couple opinions about this. Um, I'm not too happy about this because I really like the Hercules movie and how um what the type of musical it is because it seems like a Broadway play the way that they yeah. went about with that musical and now that they're turning it into a big TikTok music video I'm kind of mad about it actually um so I'm gonna contact uh Tom Holland and be like yo get me it uh in contact with the Russo brothers because we need to have a chat yeah we need to have a talk this is not good news um um let's see here in other news uh the avatar 2 way of the water uh official trailer came out and uh, it looks good um i'm not a huge fan of the avatar series one i think the the first movie is just a giant environmentalism movie about pollution and i think it's actually kind of boring and two it took way too long for any of these sequels to come out so i really did lose interest i'm not even gonna rewatch the first movie i'm just gonna go into the second movie with a fresh perspective i think and we'll see how how that yeah. goes um okay. and other and other news um adam caesar's book called corn and a uh sorry, Clown in a Cornfield is getting an adaption from the same people who did Tucker and Dale versus Evil. So that's actually really exciting to see a, um, uh, a publisher who wrote a really, really good book, in my opinion, uh, get a book adaption. And I, you know, I hope it's good. I I'm hoping it is. Um, okay. Yeah, so that was something. Um, let's see here. Sorry, I just lost my. No, it's all good. Quick second. Uh, and my final piece of news is that William Jackson Harper joins Ant Man Quantum Mania in a mysterious role. And I'm really excited about this because one, Marvel declined to comment about his role in the movie. And two, there are some very big, big rumors that um, he might be playing. Mr. Fantastic for the foreseeable future. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's really exciting because William Jackson Harper was probably the best thing about The Good Place. Um, hey, and, oh. don't hate on my girl, Kristen I know. Bell. I know, Kristen Bell was good, but I don't know. William Jackson Harper really stood out in that show. He's a great romantic interest. And I just really, really, I really liked his character on the show. So I'm very excited to see that actor get some, get some newer roles and I'm glad he's getting back out there. Nice. Yeah, uh, that's all my news for the week. Hope, what do you have? All right. Um, so for fans of Nancy Drew on the CW, it has unfortunately canceled. Um, apparently, CW is being acquired by Nexstar, um, who is the one who actually is like canceling a lot of the shows. Hmm. Um, so yeah that one is one i think the other one was star girl is being canceled yeah as well. i saw star girl got canceled and that's like the one other cw show besides superman that's actually good and got canceled so i hope that superman moves over to hbo max because i've only watched two episodes of it and it's really really good um, i'm just saying that if um next star tries to cancel the winchesters they are going to have a crazy insane very dedicated fan base that is massive coming after them 
Yeah. Um, so I don't think I, they're going to do that. No, they're not going to do it. They'll, <laughs> it'll be probably my my opinion for all the CW shows that probably won't get canceled, like Superman and the Winchester, especially since the Winchester is just starting up. I think oh, yeah. they're all going to be transferred over to HBO Max and made into HBO Max originals. That's just my theory. Um, they could be moved over onto another channel on cable, but I think that's highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, in other news, a lot of people have expressed their... Um, I don't... It's not distaste. It's not disdain, maybe. Um, for this news, but Henry Cavill is no longer going to be playing Geralt of Rivia um, in The Witcher for uh, season four. He will be for season three because he's currently filming that. Mm -hmm. um, but season four, Liam Hemsworth will be taking over the mantle of Geralt. Um, and I'm actually kind of interested because, like, I saw Liam Hemsworth when he was just starting out and stuff and like the last song and you know when he was a baby mm -hmm. but he's done some like hardcore action stuff and so I think between like his brother telling him like how to do some of the more harder like darker scenes yeah um but also just the fact that he's super interested in it as well and he's a massive nerd like henry cavill like i don't see it going terribly wrong right and i have i have two takes on the on this news one this most likely guarantees that the rumors about man of steel 2 are, con are oh yeah that, that there's no there's no way but um like the I only way that henry cavill the massive nerd that he is and how much love he has for this project, the only way he would get pulled away is if he was like contracted with Superman. Yeah. Um, I actually, I tried watching the Witcher series and didn't love it. Um, didn't like the books and I didn't like the movie. So I tried to get into the show. Uh, just not my type of fantasy, but I really feel bad for Liam Hemsworth right now because I think he's a great actor and I think he'll do a great job. Uh, it's just, just not my not my thing. I mean, I love it a lot, but also I like the lore of creatures that like aren't necessarily known about that much or might have something that you could put a twist on. So um but so henry cavill's um what he said posted on instagram is some news to share from the continent my journey as Geralt of rivia has been filled with both monsters and adventures and alas i will be laying down my medallion and my swords for season four in my stead the fantastic mr liam hemsworth will be taking up the mantle of the white wolf as with the greatest of literary characters, I pass the torch with reverence for the time spent embodying Geralt and enthusiasm to see Liam's take on this most fascinating and nuanced of men. Liam, good sir, this character has such a wonderful depth to him. Enjoy diving in and seeing what you can find. Um, so I also don't think that Henry Cavill would agree to leave unless he found a replacement that he felt was worthy. Right. 
Right. And so his statement on Instagram makes me think that he fully trusts Liam Hemsworth. Oh, and yeah. is like, you go, dude. Like, you got this. Right. Um, in other news, Venom 3 has hired Fifty Shades of Grey writer to direct the threequel. Um, it'll it'll also report. It's reportedly the last film that's going to feature Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't think I believe that. I don't think Tom Hardy would drop that Venom money, and I think I mean... Sony would be ludicrously stupid to let that go, especially with Spider Verse being so hot. I think it would be stupid. Yeah, I mean, like, like it's they built like they've taken like literally six years to build this character up for their multiverse sinister th- six thing they've yeah. got going on, whatever it is. I do not believe. I do believe it's the last Venom movie. I do not believe that is the last time we're seeing Tom Hardy, though. There is no way, no way that they would drop that. Yeah, I mean. Sony has made some mistakes in the past. Not as many as Warner Brothers, but like... (laughs) um, But also along the Marvel lines is that Abdul Mateen will be in the Wonder Man series as the titular character, Simon Williams slash Wonder Man. Um, He... Abdul Mateen has apparently made some, as this article says, interesting comments about his acting with DC as clown work while acting with, while working on Aquaman. Um, But so it is going to be a TV series, but it's not supposed to be as fourth wall breaking as She-Hulk. But it is apparently different from the usual formulaic MCU. Um, Destin Daniel Cretton, 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 will direct an episode of the series before heading over to work on Avengers Kang Dynasty, which is coming out in 2025. Um, And Ben Kingsley is coming back for this series, for the uh, Wonder Man series, back as his role as Trevor Slattery. Slattery. Can never remember how to say his last name. I think it's Slattery. Um, Slattery. Okay. But so I am kind of excited for this, but also I'm sitting here going, this will be interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird seeing Yaya Abdul being cast as, in the comics as an Asian American character and there's an Asian American person directing the series. And I was kind of like, why not just get another Asian American superhero in there and use Yaya Abdul for another role? I don't know why. Um, he's a great actor. I love him in Candyman. That's literally his best role, in my opinion. And I do think his clown work quote was taken out of context because he likes working with James Wan to come back for a sequel. Um, mm-hmm. So, like... I don't know a whole, I don't even know if that quote's like 100% true or if it was like taken out of context. It's just a strange thing for him to say after being cast in Aquaman 2, again as Black Manta, and then taking yeah. the role. And I'm kind of like, 
something about that quote isn't right, but Wonder Man is actually a really important character to both Vision and Scarlet Witch. Um, just more evidence that Scarlet Witch is coming back because Wonder Man was in a love triangle between Vision and Scarlet Witch before Scarlet Witch and Vision got married. So I wonder uh, if Vision's outgoing to go get his memories back during the whole Vision quest thing. Uh, I wonder if Scarlet Witch is going to come back as just like a normal person for a time being after her power was taken away by the Darkhold. They could do that kind of storyline and she meets Wonder Man and that happens. I want her to meet Dr. Doom and get married and they do the Children's Crusade storyline. Um, but if they do the Wonder Man storyline, that's cool too. Um, I have I have no problem with it. Just bring in Wicked and Speed sometime. I don't know how they do it. Just bring them back, please. Yeah. Um, my final piece of news is the book world slash movie world, because of course the book was turned into a movie. Um, but the Maze Runner series has a new edition as like a 73 years after the events of the death cure um it is called the maze cutter like c-u-t-t-e-r um and so it came out like just yesterday i think um but so the synopsis based on the google books synopsis stuff is 73 years after the events of the death cure when thomas and the other immunes were sent to an island to survive the flare triggered apocalypse their descendants have thrived sedina isaac and jackie all learned about the unkind history of the gladers from the book of newt and tall tales from old man frypan but when a rusty old boat shows up one day with a woman bearing dark news of the mainland everything changes. The group and their islander friends are forced to embark back to civilization where they find cranks have evolved into a more violent, intelligent version of themselves. The islanders are hunted by the godhead, the remnant nation, and scientists with secret agendas. When they cross paths with an orphan named Miho, Uh, from the remnant nation, the dangers become real and they don't know who they can trust. The Islanders will have to survive long enough to figure out why they are being targeted, who is friend or foe, and what the Godhead Godhead has planned for the future of humanity. Um, So first off, someone named a child Minho, and I want to know whose child (laughs) this orphan belongs to, because there are very few that are allowed to use that name as like a name for their child. Um, and freaking um, Teresa is dead, so like how it would not have been able to be her. So it just makes me like go, who, whom? Yeah. Um, I actually didn't really like the Maze Runner series. Didn't like the books and didn't like the movies. Um, so this is okay for me. Glad that they're getting another series for the people who love it. Couldn't yeah. be any easier for them. I mean, like, I honestly, I loved the series. Um, I was a huge fan of, I didn't like the constant, like, is this person good? Is this person bad? Do they have a secret agenda? They have a secret agenda. I think they have a secret, like, I didn't like that part, but I liked the camaraderie between the Gladers. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and like how Thomas's affection for Teresa like he when he knew she was bad he was like nope you're done but he was also conflicted because he's like I know I have these memories or like you say I'm supposed to have these memories and there is the like cell memory Mm -hmm. that is in his DNA and everything that tells him that there is something in the past with her because you can't erase cell memory you might be able to erase brain memories but the cells always remember um so he's like okay there's something that we can trust about her or like he has that like conflict of he knows she's bad but it's not like the stupid like i know she's bad but i still love her that's why i trust her it's like no she's bad but i know how we can push the buttons and use her on our side right so and i liked that part um and honestly i loved when galley came back because like galley was so underrated um but yeah so that is all my geek news oh can i just say uh i'm coming at this live i was just looking at my instagram feed and apparently uh, Audrey Plaza just got cast in an unknown role for Agatha Coven of Chaos. So that's really interesting. That just okay. like that literally just happened. All um, right. We we love when geek news happens right when we're recording. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But so I guess that kind of leads into um, our topic of the week in a weird way because my brain is ADHD and we'll find random segues so uh if you don't follow it that's okay but our topic of the week we are critiquing the critiquers um we're mostly focusing on rotten tomatoes and how they score uh different movies or tv shows um and we're basically critiquing them to say if like we agree we don't agree um we understand the rating but we feel it could be different so I posed to Carter to have like at least three, mm-hmm. um, one for each category. So Carter, what one would you like to start with first? All right. Well, if I'm starting, I'm going to start off with a movie called Four Brothers. Uh, have you heard of it? It sounds familiar. I don't uh, think I've ever seen it. Um, it came out in 2005 and the IMDb page says when their adoptive mother gets gunned down in a store robbery, four do- adoptive brothers decide <gasps> to investigate the ma- murder and find the killers for themselves. That is Tell me who's in it. Uh, it. It's starring Mark Wahlberg, um, Tyree Gibson, Andre 3000, Garrett Hedlund, and then That's who. Uh, okay. Chetwell Ejafar as the villain. Garrett Hedlund was like I've looked at his IMDb page, like credits for different stuff, because I like him in most of the movies I've seen him in. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's why it sounded familiar. Yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about this movie because I stumbled upon it. I don't remember if it was last year or this year. It was whenever snow was on the ground. So in Michigan, that's any day of the week. Um, but me and my dad in the were, winter. Yeah, in the win- in the winter or spring, maybe sometimes summer. You know, it's May. Um, me and my dad were just sitting on the couch and we were super bored. And we just saw this movie on Netflix and watched the trailer. I'm like, oh, this looks really good. And it it's probably one of the best action movies I've ever seen. It's got a super compelling plot. 
and great acting all around. I think Mark Wahlberg, I think this might be Mark Wahlberg's best movie, if I'm speaking honestly. He's just so good in this movie as like um, a serious um, revenge, hell-bent uh, man just wanting to get revenge and someone who just misses their their motherly figure. And um, this is a great movie to watch around Thanksgiving because it does take place around this time. Um, what surprises me is that this movie stands at like a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience scores like at a 60 and I'm like, well, who hated this movie? This is a, a great action movie. I was so surprised by that when I was, got done watching the movie. I'm like, man, this feels like a movie that would be up for some awards and it was not. And um, I, I gotta say, I love, love this movie and I highly recommend it to someone who loves action movies because there's this insane car chase that happens in the middle of the movie where it's just blizzard snow and there's ice in the road and they're chasing these two people. Um, I think it's Tyree Gibson characters and Andre 3000's characters. And they're chasing these two people who think have something to do with the murder of their mom. And they're chasing, like this chase like lasts, lasts for like five minutes. And it's just them skidding along the ice and making these insane turns and going through a fire hydrant. And I'm like, there's no way that this would happen in real life. But damn, is it entertaining though. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is the one that you agree with, right? Yeah. Well, okay. it's the, yeah. All right. Um, I have to pull it up on my phone because I took a bunch of screenshots. Um, so the one that I I found very interesting, I agree with the score. Um, but I found oh, yeah, very- I don't agree with the score on my movie. Oh. Sorry, I thought we were doing. Oh no, that's right. You said you didn't agree with it. Okay, yeah. the one that I don't agree with that I was able to find of like. Oh wait. Okay, so the one that I really don't agree with is. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah. The Rotten Tomato score is 30%. Audience score is 60, so it's double. How is the audience score that high? Wow. I loved that movie. Are you kidding me? To see Jack Sparrow have to deal... Yeah! To see Jack Sparrow have to deal with Elizabeth and Will's son, who looks like they did such a good casting with Bretton Thwaites to be able to like match him with like how Kieran Knightley and um, Orlando Bloom's children would look like it was so good. And then to have Barbosa have a kid, like what? And then she takes his name at the end too. I was like, oh, my heart, like, I understood that like there were some aspects of it that weren't the greatest. So like, I'm not giving it a hundred percent. I'm mm-hmm. not, but I at least expected like an 85, like at the lowest or yeah. like me, like 85 to 90 would be like the highest range that I would put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it set up a next movie so well. And then she who must not be named yeah it not be named just oh. like screwed everything over warner brothers was stupid when it came to that and then like screwed over johnny depp and they were like nope we're not doing another movie and i'm like but you have potential for it you could bring yeah. back these characters oh, like yeah. oh you could do like follow the stars what pirates like actually did and you're not gonna ah. 
but yeah um <laughs> yeah, that's fair i i don't like to talk about that entire thing that happened I, yeah i have very strong feelings and so um yeah but that is one that i disagreed with so hard because mm-hmm. i'm sorry that movie was great like oh, it was just good and then also the fact that um oh crap what's her name Arrgh! okay i have to look this up real quick hold on um <laughs> because it's her husband that's in it oh okay javier bardem was in this movie as the villain and he is married to why am i still blanking on her name oh my gosh (laughs) penelope cruz okay i had it right in my head but i was like that's wrong penelope cruz who had been in was the movie prior on stranger tides Mm -hmm. and i'm like it would be so perfect to be able to like bring them in together like all of a sudden you know but also like i understood you couldn't fully like use his character mm-hmm. because like they destroyed the trident poseidon's trident um but like i was like okay we're, we're having a family affair here like let's let's just keep going with it and then yeah she who will not be named ruined everything so but if anybody agrees like i want to know while we're talking about this if you guys who are listening agree or disagree with any of us any of our opinions here let us know because we are literally critiquing the critiquers here so like if you want to critique the critiquers who are critiquing the critiquing critiquers if that all made sense (laughs) like come on you have the conversation with us um but yeah so what what was one that you didn't you don't necessarily agree with but you don't necessarily disagree with but like you understand the rating um for that it would have to be Oh, I hold on. I need to pull it back up because I just lost my page. Hold on a sec. Um, for me, it's probably Muppets from Space, actually. <laughs> um, the Rotten Tomatoes score is a 63%. Um, I personally love this movie, though, but I can understand why uh, people don't like this movie because it is quite dated. Uh, it's a movie that came out in like nine. What is it? Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and it has like a a bunch of random seventies references for some reason. Uh, it's really it's like it's a movie that should have come out in the seventies but came out in nineteen ninety nine. I think people expected more, um, more modern jokes on that time, and instead they got uh, a Muppet movie from the seventies. But I think that's what makes it better, honestly. Muppets from Space is actually my favorite Muppet movie that ever came out, next to Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, but it's probably because Muppets in Space is the one I've seen the most and had the most memories with my brother watching, because 
man, it's such a fun, such a fun little movie. And like, you finally get to know what Gonzo actually is because the whole meme around him is that he's a thing or he's an elephant or nobody knows what he is. And finding out that he's an alien is actually pretty satisfying in my opinion, because he looks like an alien. Um, so it's not like, oh, he was an anteater the entire time where it's kind of a stretch. We really have to like squint at it. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you can see it. But like, the simple answer of him being an alien is like, oh, yeah, totally. That that makes sense to me. Um, but other than that, I don't have much to say about this film because Rotten Tomatoes and uh, IMDb kind of did it for me, whether it's good or bad. But yeah, yeah how about you, Hope? Um, I will say the first Fantastic Beasts movie. So Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Hmm. It didn't fully surprise me with uh, this score even though I liked it, but like, I understand why others didn't like the movie, Mm -hmm. but it rated at a 74 for Rotten Tomatoes and only a 79 for audience. So for once, like audience and Rotten Tomatoes were actually like relatively the same. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in my opinion, people followed the title way too closely um because they were like oh it's gonna be like newt going around and finding all of the you know different creatures well no it's a prequel to harry potter so you're gonna have events leading up to harry potter Mm -hmm. but i I, like i understand the title is misleading fantastic beasts and where to find them you're like oh it's gonna be like indiana jones um but like also at the same time like i'm like for what it was it was good but because people hated the fact that it didn't match the title mm-hmm. they were like oh i hate it i'm like no you don't you just hate that you got tricked or you yeah. think you got tricked like there are so many movies that literally the only reason it's named that is because of like one little thing in the movie or like sherlock holmes movies or whatever it's called Sherlock Holmes because that's the name of the main character. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, for everybody who's listening, you're about to get mad, but that movie is actually my favorite Harry Potter movie of all time. I love Fantastic Beasts so much. And I think I understand your, where you're coming from, but I think the movies you're talking about are the sequels that follow because they're titled Fantastic Beasts, but only sit, are used to set up the Harry Potter universe. And don't do a good job at it because the overall goal of Fantastic Beasts, sure, it's still background to Harry Potter, but the whole goal of him coming to America was to find the Obscurus and to find a home for the, it was to find the Obscurus and to find a home for the, oh, what's the weather Phoenix called? I forget its name, but whatever. I do, do. but yeah. Erases everybody's memories. Um, But there were still goals pertaining to the Fantastic Beasts. And he still goes around and finds all the animals because they all escaped from his suitcase. His and case, yeah. Like the whole rhino scene where he's doing the mating dance. The rumpet? Yeah, I'll, I love that scene. That scene is so charming and whimsical <laughs> and going to go find... Um, I'm blanking on his name. What's his name? The little... Jacob? Platypus. Yes, the little platypus. Oh, the Niffler? Yeah, the Niffler. And them finding the niffler in the jewelry store and him acting like a mannequin um oh it's just such a whimsical fun film and 
oh, my mom and I and my brother and my dad would sit around. We usually try to watch it every winter. Oh, such a wonderful movie to watch during the winter time. It's always one that goes, it's not a Christmas movie, but I consider it a Christmas movie because I always watch it around that time. It gives me such warm, fuzzy feelings. Oh, I love that movie so very much. Yeah, I will say my favorite of the Fantastic Beasts trilogy is the third one, hmm. but I'm also, I love Mads Mikkelsen, but he was not the Grindelwald that I wanted. Should have been, been Johnny Depp. It should have been Johnny Depp. know, Warner Brothers and she who will not be named. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he did a good job. He did not create the same Grindelwald. It's just because I think Mads took the role because one, money, why would he not deny that money? And two, he was playing the role that was meant for another actor. So he was trying to replicate another actor while trying to put his own spin on it while trying to adapt the character from the books and stories. And so for him, I think his performance just got jumbled up. And I, well, I do think the third movie is better than the second one because I despise and hate the second one. The second one was my least favorite Harry Potter movie of all time, and I wish I could physically bury that thing. Um, the third one I just found kind of boring, honestly. It's just that nothing really happens. It's a bunch of random events and, you know, the climax happens, which is just something that takes place in Grindelwald's mind, and nobody gets killed, and I was kind of like, okay, nothing really happened. Uh, I could have not seen in that entire trilogy and nothing for the Harry Potter universe for me would have been changed. It's whatever. I'm still glad glad the first one exists because that's literally, that's my my favorite Harry Potter movie. I love that movie till the day I die. I will defend it till the day I die. So Carter, I'm going to say, agree to disagree about Mm -hmm. the plot of the third movie. Um, Because I think it was, but I there was an overall theme and like I will be honest the whole Dumbledore versus Grindelwald thing that technically didn't actually happen yet made me frustrated Mm -hmm. I will admit that because it was all in the head instead of like everybody watching it blah 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 um and then Grindelwald just like disappears and I'm like but battle that next movie we bring back Johnny Depp. Um, sorry, Mads Michelson, I love you, but like Johnny Depp. Um, I see, like, I thought I, they canceled the Fantastic Beast series. I thought they weren't doing anymore. Uh, which is why, I like, I think it is up in the is, air. Yeah, which makes me kind of mad because, like, in the third one, like, if we don't get a new one, that just, like, it just ends off like that. And I'm like, what? It's, what is so. Part of it is Ezra Miller, which... Well, yes, I mean, well, we already know his entire situation. Don't even get me started on that. (laughs) Yeah, but Warner Brothers is even more stupid with that because they're like, well, we don't know if we're going to keep him as the Flash or not. And I'm like, you're getting rid of him. He's facing 29 years. What do you think you're going to keep him? Um, But so I think part of it is Warner Brothers needs to get their poop in a group. Um... (laughs) their shit together however you want to say it mm-hmm. they need to figure it out they need to apologize publicly to johnny depp 
And then they need to say, J.K. Rowling, we disagree with your comments because we are still trying to save face, but also because we don't believe in your transphobic comments. Um, and then they need to get a writer and create the fourth film. Um, While we're but, making a list for Warner Brothers stuff to do, uh, fire Amber Heard and replace her with Amelia Clark. Thank you very much. Boom. Um, or just get rid of that character in Aquaman 2 and bring in Amelia Clark for Aquaman 3. Um, yes. <laughs> but then the other part, so going back to like the plot and everything, I think the plot of the third Fantastic Beast movie was not as obvious as other plots for movies are. And I think that's what frustrates people because we as a society have gotten very used to being handed plots and what exactly is happening in movies. And so when we actually have to be like, think critically about, wait, what was it? What were they trying to say? And like, what? Then we get upset. Um, Right. My response to that. My response to that is, is that is Harry Potter really the film franchise to be asking that question? It works well with horror movies. It works well with romantic comedies. It works well with some action movies. Does it work with Harry Potter? I mean, Harry Potter was usually pretty straightforward with a bunch of branching plots. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, because I'm not a huge fan of the franchise. Yeah, but. I think because, so the Harry Potter like series the regular series the regular eight movies Mm -hmm. those had books to go off of right the fantastic beasts technically have a book to go off of but also not really because the book is part of the unfortunately imaginary because I would very much like it to be real but the imaginary world of Harry Potter and wizards and witches so therefore, they do not have a thing they can use to guide them along, right. mm-hmm. um, which means that they could totally make it more in depth and like very definitely, you know, hide some things. And honestly, the Harry Potter fandom spans so many ages. That's and so still true. is continuing today that they could fully like continue with it as long as they don't royally screw things up like yeah. no one would care we all love newt scamander we love mm-hmm. eddie redmayne we love jude law um we love Kowalski. don't forget my boy kowalski i, I was love... getting there just Quick making forward. sure don't forget kowalski we love jacob kowalski we love the niffler we love um bow truckle picket um like listen they could do so much with the film the warner brothers Oh my god, that's another podcast episode, but we should that not is go another into that. Podcast episode. But like, oh, so I think they totally could just because they don't have books that they have to follow. Mm-hmm. They just have like what J.K. Rowling has said happened in the past, right? And she has only given so many details that they could fill in other details. Okay, um, 
to match it to the other movies and stuff. But so that's my opinion. Um, but yeah, so going on to our next one, what is one that you completely agree with for Rotten Tomatoes? Well, I think it would have to be like my computer just totally glitched out. So please bear with me. <laughs> um, gotta retype it in. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna take a cheap shot and say Morbius. Yeah, that movie is utter trash, and I'm pretty sure that that's standing at a 20. No, it went down to 15%. Yeah, nope, that's the one I totally agree with. Yeah, uh, Nick Fawcett, if you're watching, you heard what I said. Uh, that movie is utter trash. I, I, I feel bad for everyone involved with it. I feel terrible for Matt Smith. And because I'm such a Matt Smith, I actually met him and got his, I don't know if it'll show up, but I got his signature. Uh, and it's not going to show up a little bit, but you know, up a little bit, but I love that man to death. He is one of my favorite actors of all time. And I feel so bad that he was in that movie. He was like literally the best thing about it. And he does that goofy ass dance where he spins around in a circle. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, I hate hate that movie and plus i love the comic character of morbius he's such a cool character in the comics and they they totally screwed him up because of jared leto's flat acting and writing and ah he's such a cool character and would have been so cool to have in the mcu as like a part of the midnight suns which they're building right now and i'm just sad that movie makes me sad every time i look at that poster and whenever it's on saw netflix just appears in my recommended i just get sad when i look at it it was it wasn't that one like sony was just like hey marvel we're gonna make this film for you with yeah. nothing that we're not gonna listen to a dang thing you say I brought michael keaton into their universe with just no reason that's not how the spell worked in no way home and they just totally reversed that and i'm like that's not how multiversal dis this body displacement i'm getting so flustered just because you brought that up um that's not how the spell worked in no way home and they're like oh yeah no it brought characters from the mcu into our universe now which i personally think marvel should have sued over that because technically that is their character now but the whole spider-man rights in a general it's just a mess it's just an absolute mess uh yeah. i just i despise that film i despise it i refuse to review it on my instagram when it came out because i i don't like to talk negative about film but a, when a film like morbius comes along and once in a blue moon to just agitate the crap out of me i can't help but be negative about it the only negative i'll say about that film is that it has surprisingly good cgi the I only will... negative you'll say is that they have good CGI? Sorry, the only positive. I have nothing but negatives. The only positive, the only positive I'll say about that is that it has decent CGI. And that's it. That's that's literally it. I can't believe they removed all the Spider-Man cameos and everything. Tom Holland was going to be in that movie. And then it was Andrew Garfield. And then they're like, nah, fuck it. We're taking it all out. It was false advertising. I thought 
I thought somebody could get away with suing Sony for false advertising. That would have been really funny to see that play out because I heard rumors that a fan was going to sue Sony for that. And I'm like, please, please do it. Maybe they'll learn their lesson. And so now with Craven the Hunter coming out next year, I'm like, I will go see it, but I just want it to be good. All I'm asking of Sony is just to make good films. And I'm like, you have... You may not be able to use Peter Parker, but that doesn't mean you can't use all the other Spider-Men. Miles Morales, Spider-Man 2099, Madam Web they're actually using, thank God, and they're doing like a Doctor Strange type of story with it. That's like, I'm like, finally, somebody has a brain cell in the writer's room. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about, is it Dakota Fanning? Yeah, Dakota Fanning as Madam Web. I'm I'm not entirely sure about her because I've only ever seen her with Fifty Shades. But I'm like, oh my god, what's up with Sony's obsession with hiring people from Fifty Shades? First writers now, who knows? You know what? I, think I mean, Dakota technically, Dakota Fanning was first. Yeah, uh, I think Dakota will do fine. I think as long as she's given a competent script, which is hard to come by from Sony. Um. But, you know, I can't really say too much shit because Sony produced Bullet Train, which ended up being, like, my second favorite movie of this year. And they actually had a decent script and money going to that film. So I can thank them for that. But I can still pick on them for Morbius because that movie is uh, it is a modern atrocity, in my opinion. All right. Well, on the, the, the other end of the spectrum, um, I think that one that they got right, um, which surprises me and the audience rating surprises me considering it wasn't the best like reaction from Mm -hmm. people and didn't do as well as they thought it would. West Side Story. Oh yeah, the remake by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Yet to watch it, but I hear that movie is actually amazing. It even got it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it um I mean, so it got ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which like okay, you know, um if you're comparing it to the musical and the film based on the musical that was made in the sixties with mm-hmm. Marita Moreno, um, there are differences. Yeah, but honestly, there were some differences that I was like, "This makes so much more sense. <laughs> I like this so much better." Like, oh my, like no, it was good. Yeah. and I then so. like it was it was good. I it think Steven good. Spielberg is going to make a comeback here because he's got West Side Story and he's got he's got his new film coming out in November called The Fablemans, which is a semi biopic about his life growing up with film. I'm really excited to see that as a um, person who admires to be a screenwriter and director one day. And then he's got some other something else cooking, like a secret project or something. So I think he's going to come back here. I mean, I don't think he ever lost anything. No, he just. In my opinion. But I think he just. Yeah, he took a break because he's like, hey, there's other people. I never (laughs) said they need stuff. Yeah, I never said he didn't do anything bad, which of course that he has. He's got some stinkers in there if I looked up his filmography, but he did take a break for like a couple of years. Yeah. Um, And then now he was due that. So 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I couldn't be any happier. I love Steven Spielberg. Any of all yeah. of his movies, especially E.T. Got E.T. and the Indiana Jones franchise, except for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'll take these three, not that one. Just push that film into like a corner. So we don't like to look at him. Yeah. Well, we're also still waiting for that supposed sequel about yeah, Indiana, Indiana Jones's Jones son. Yeah. It was supposed to be Shia LaBeouf. And, it's still Shia LaBeouf. Uh, He's still going to be in it. Uh, much to really? my because I had heard J- uh, not James Patterson, Robert Pattinson was taking it over. Because I got yeah. really mad. Huh. Well, I hate Shia LaBeouf as an actor, so I'm more than welcoming <laughs> to uh, Robert Pattinson. I don't hate him. Like I don't hate hate him, but like there's been some roles where I'm just like, just get off my screen. And go back to iRobot days where you were actually a competent actor. Um, and But like he did Peanut Butter Falcon, which was admittedly good. Um, and then he did something else that I really liked him in, actually. Um, but, you know, if Robert Pattinson's taking over, you're not, you're not I, twisting. I haven't yeah. heard things for a few years, so I... Yeah, I, I heard that film's going to have time travel in it. And that was like two years ago. And I'm like, they do... Look, Aliens was one thing, but time travel in Indiana Jones film, I'm like, could we just go back to the previous script where Steven Spielberg said he wanted to do a haunted house Indiana Jones movie because the supernatural is well established in the Indiana Jones franchise. I'm like, I'll be down for that, but we're doing time travel instead. The only faith I have in the Indiana Jones 5 movie is that the person who wrote and directed Logan one of my favorite Marvel movies of all time is doing that movie. And so like, okay, maybe the slightest sliver of hope has me wondering, this could possibly work. <laughs> I am a little yeah. mad that Steven Spielberg walked because of quote unquote creative differences, but that just means that Disney wasn't playing ball with Spielberg. And I'm like, okay, get the guy who did Logan. We'll see how it goes. You know, uh, I'll be buying a ticket. It's Indiana Jones. Seeing more of Harrison Ford and Marianne's going to be fun. So, all right. So, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the Sister Act? No, but it's on my watch list. Uh, I had a friend who, yeah, I know. I know. Talk about it then. I know. Gosh dang it. I'm sorry. The, yeah, there are some obvious films that I haven't seen. Like, for instance, I've never seen Inception. Um, I've never seen Inception. Yeah, I've never planned to. I've never seen a lot of films, and you know, I'm working down my filmography. I mean, I just watched Barbarian. Um, that was a disturbing, disturbing horror movie. I do think it was overhyped, but you know, some of the scenes in that movie, ooh, gruesome. Oof. You saw Eternals, right? Yeah, I saw Eternals. That was good. I think it was overhated. I think people were super dramatic about it. I mean, it's just. It was too long and it needed to be cut down a little. There were some scenes in there. And the fact right. that Sprite didn't get any repercussions in that film. That was like, you're going to let her be human? I would let her not be human and live with the consequences. I mean, she got she got nothing. Well, I mean, I guess she's going to die a normal human because I hate Sprite anyway. So. And she doesn't have powers anymore. So Yeah, good on, good on you, kid. You just traded in your life of an eternity to die as a normal human being. And I'm like, okay yeah yeah whatever you got you got your thing no repercussion here are the two scores and i'm not gonna tell you which is which and i want you to guess okay 
47% and 77%. For the sister act? No, for Eternals. Oh, for Eternals? Um, 47% for the audience and then the other one for the critical. Really? Huh. The audience apparently liked it more than Rotten Tomatoes. And I am on the side so, of Rotten Tomatoes. That's so interesting because all I hear about, like, everybody, like, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook are just complaining no, about no. how it was. Because they went there for freaking Harry Styles. And don't get me wrong. I love Harry Styles. So I true. absolutely adore scary. that man. Yeah. That but they were like, oh, Harry Styles is in it. And then they were confused because, like, they don't understand the MCU. But, like, also... I understand the MCU, but that movie confused the crap out of me at times. So, but it's because they didn't get to see Harry Styles in all of it. That's why people were complaining. Let's yeah. be honest. I wasn't confused about the story at all. Like I could see, I'm like, okay, I can vaguely see where that slides in, but it's strange that you didn't fully explain it. You just only teased it. Uh, it's the only thing that made me frustrated and confused for some of the character choices. Like, Icarus being the secret bad guy, I was like, he's the leader of the team in the comics, but hey, sure, gonna do an evil. But also, <laughs> but also, if you have a character named Icarus, you need him to fly into the sun. Yeah, but that's what happens in the comics. You know, he sacrifices himself for the team by flying himself in the sun. I'm like, you didn't have to do that in the first movie. You could have built him up as a secret villain for like a trilogy of Eternals movies. I'm like, we already know Eternals two and three are coming. They already confirmed it. Um. Sure, I'll go see it. I mean, I'm really excited about Druid and Thena's and Makari's um, story. I'm excited for where they're going in the cosmic MCU. And I think that's going to be extremely interesting. So I always wanted to learn more about the Celestials and Irishem being like the tall, looming, Darth Sidious kind of puppet master figure in that movie. Every time Irishem was on screen, I my mouth was on the floor. Oh my God, what a great introduction for a villain. Very excited to see him come in. Um, I do think it was concerning that they killed off um, a good amount of the team and then separated everyone at the end. Um, I was like confused about that too. Um, also, they're androids and, oh no, wait a minute, Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, no, wait a minute, he married the guy. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, never mind. Um, Brian Tyree Henry was also really underrated in that film. I'm like, how come Fastos didn't get more attention? But man, they killed off Gilgamesh. They killed off um, what was Salma Hawks' character? Ajak. Um, yeah, Ajak. Ajak, and they killed off Icarus, and they turned uh, Sprite into a human who's gonna die anyways of old age and can't help the team. So we're left with like literally half the team, and I'm like, wow. We're, we didn't yeah. even get introduced to these characters long enough for them to get killed off. Of. I was like, really? We're going to go that? Okay, I guess that's fine. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know why you guys decided to do Eternals if you're just going to just do away with half the team, but that's okay. Um, just hope the Celestial Cosmic story is super interesting. Please let it be interesting because that's like, this movie ended off really good and it left me with wanting more. But I was just more about more confused than like one, we could have gotten there in a shorter amount of time. And two, you didn't have to kill off basically the half entire half the entire team to make me care about them. You could just say 
we're going to focus on these characters and then we're going to leave for these characters to get development in the next film and the next film that's how the mcu works you don't have to kill off characters all the time they can still stick around i think the mcu has a really bad tendency of killing off people specifically villains and side characters could have needed more development have you seen the tiktok video that is like this per this girl in in target and she's like guys all of our mcu favorite characters are back together and then flips the, the camera around and it's all the skeletons in the halloween oh. <laughs> <laughs> i did not see, i might go look that video up now that you mention it um okay next film question i have for you which if you're watching on youtube and you're wondering what the heck is my background um it is from sorcerer's apprentice with nicholas cage oh, and, yeah. um the guy who plays doc ock oh my gosh oh uh, alpha molina yeah okay um but have you seen that movie yeah i saw it in theaters actually with my brother and my grandmother um, okay it's been a while so this, though. I mean, did you have a positive experience with it? Yeah, I liked it as a kid. Okay. It kind of went in out in through my head, you know, when you're out the other, but it didn't harm anything, you know, it didn't yeah. offend me. Okay. 40% and 53%. Okay. That's actually really difficult because that's very close to each other. Um, I'm going to say 53% for the critical score and then the 40% for the audience. Really? Audience liked them more. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I Which mean, really it's surprised not a me score, too, but, but um, so my sister and I saw it and we were in theaters and we didn't know it was supposed to rain or anything, but during the scene with like the tesla coils doing secrets by one republic oh yeah it started that. thundering and it sounded like part of the movie <laughs> and so like there for me there's just like this extra magical piece to sorcerer's apprentice yeah but i also loved the um the nod sorry words escaped me and it's a simple word the nod to uh the Mickey Mouse in Fantasia 2000, um, Sorcerer's Apprentice with the brooms and, you know. Yeah, that was fun. Lab. That's the only connection. Like, I hate how people are like, this is the adaption of Sorcerer's Apprentice. I'm like, don't you dare invoke that short's name. It's not. Yeah. It just takes ideas from it and incorporates it into a new thing. Because I don't see Mickey Mouse running around on that screen. And which also makes no. me wonder, why didn't they just do a film adaption of uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice like an animated Mickey film is something we haven't had in a very long time I kind of miss I think, it honestly because I don't know that they feel like Mickey Mouse is a character people want to see right now I like, mean I get it because of political reasons but as far as seeing Mickey Mouse I'm, I'd love to see a new Mickey Mouse movie I mean adapt epic Mickey onto the screen you know that'd be a great story to adapt I'm him meeting Oswald the Rabbit, and then you can do mm. so animation things. I mean, yes, no political things, but like the characters, <laughs> you know. But 
I mean, like I could see doing a Mickey Mouse thing, but I also think that Disney is just, they're in this like mode of they're trying to use all the characters that everybody seems to love. And like Mickey just seems like that character that is kind of otherworldly that they don't want to mess up yeah so to play it safe they're not gonna make anything more with him but i did like for sorcerer's apprentice that they brought in science into magic yeah i love that concept because science is being magic and magic is just being more complex science is such an interesting idea to me mm -hmm. i love it i think about like actual magicians too and like the different science reactions the chemical reactions that happen or like you know whatever science effects that Mm -hmm. happen for them to be able to do some of their tricks yeah and i'm like listen it's true though like yeah science is literally just more complex version of uh, magic yeah it's explainable magic it's explainable magic right we can conjure fire just not by using a wand yeah or using our fingertips or anything so but yeah i thought that i think the score should have been higher for that one personally um but that's like because that's where i really start i'm like what did you find wrong with this movie or was it just because you were pissed off that it wasn't actually an adaptation or you thought it was an adaptation of the mickey mouse short oh no and so like that's why like that's not, I, the, that's not the reason why i don't like this film. i never said i don't like no. it I just why the critique is so bad oh why the critique is so bad i think it's yeah. because people weren't they still took nicholas cage as a, like a serious actor and his performance is kind of questionable in this but i mean i don't think people understood what nicholas cage was going for around this time because he's not he's never been a serious actor are kidding me he no does serious he doesn't movies. even call himself an actor he calls himself a thespian yeah he ha- he made an entire movie that's a parody of himself but when he does serious movies like pig i think it kind of twists people around like oh this is what acting always should have been and finally nicholas cage is embracing that side of him no he just did the role because he liked the script he mm-hmm. the thing i i used fun fact about me i used to hate nicholas cage as an actor as a kid because i just never understood what he was going for but now as an adult wow i can actually say that i'm adult now crazy um (laughs) you know i don't like to admit it as an adult's perspective i can actually respect what cage is doing he's just doing his own passion like what he loves and i'm like i strive to be like nicholas cage in that in that form to be working and doing what i love and doing basically what I want as my living is an amazing dream to have. And I'm, I, I am so appreciative that we get to watch Nicolas Cage just be happy and do himself. And makes me a little bit jealous too. <laughs> yeah. All right. I have a few more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think you've seen The Greatest Beer Run ever, right? No, I've never seen it. Okay. So the Rotten Tomato score is 42%. Okay. But the audience score is 91%. That is wow. over double. That is insane. It's not that many like, movies can do that. <laughs> like what? I'm sitting here going, Rotten Tomatoes, how, like your critiquers went into this movie thinking what? 
and saw what negative things when the audience absolutely loved this movie. Like, mm. what? This is why I don't like critiques and like why I don't always follow Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, no, the audience loved it. Yeah. But you're telling me that the critique is like in the trash? Yeah, that's the same thing with Bullet Train this year. The audience, the audience score is like over 85 and the critical score is like a 52. And I'm like, I think the whole entire thing with movie criticism is that it gets blown so out of proportion that people forget when to take a movie seriously and when to have fun with a movie. Yeah. And I think, so here's like, we, I said that this episode was us critiquing the critiquers. Mm-hmm. And so the critique that you and I are both getting to here is like, and this goes for any sort of critique. And this goes for any sort of awards too. You cannot mm-hmm. judge a movie based on what the critiquers are saying because they're looking for something specific to make the score go down. Right. Or they're looking for something specific to give it a certain award. And like, so they are, they can be so, what was the word you just used? Oh my gosh. Um, Crap. I said a lot of words during this, so. (laughs) Like, it's not trickery, but it can be like tricking people into thinking a movie is good just because it got this award. Well, I mean, I think what you, the quote that you're looking for is don't judge a book by its cover. The cover being um, some movies can have the, the blandest, sorry, some books in my world can have like the most blandest cover, but inside those pages are some of the best stories I've ever read. The cover in this instance being the Ron Tomato score. And mm-hmm. I think some people see that score and they don't go see the movie. And I have done that a plenty number of times. I have seen the score in some movies and I've ended up loving them. Um, take for reason, Halloween 3 season of the witch. People hate that movie because there was no Michael Myers in that movie. But I love that movie because it John Carpenter just does something different. He wanted to do an anthology with the Halloween t- uh, movie series. And I respect it and I love that idea and when I saw that film and just took out the iteration that Michael Myers was not going to be in that film I had a lot of fun with it it's not my favorite Halloween movie but damn is it fun mm-hmm. yeah so all right is there anything else that you would like to add before we give our recommendations um I I would actually okay um there's a movie I'd like to bring up and it's called Christopher Robin and it does deal with the Disney live action uh, <laughs> media. I will say it is a shame that Christopher Robin did so bad because its score is really good. It's a Rotten Tomato score of 75% and the audience score is like 86. But here's the thing. That movie had a budget of 85, 90 million and it only made 106 million dollars at the box office. And this movie, uh, my best friend, Connell Smith took me and uh, I think it was like a late birthday gift because he was out of town for my birthday. But man, that movie never ceases to make me cry with the whole speech at the end of Humphalump and Woozles and never to lose your <laughs> child side and him moving back to the country with his daughter, Christopher Robin. And 
um, them moving into the old house he used to stay at. So he's closer to Winnie the Pooh and his friends. So his daughter can grow up with the stuff that he had as a kid. It's so such a great poetic movie because it's really what my dad did with me. He never really tossed any of his stuff away and he just gave it to me and let me play with it. So I could experience what he had as a kid. And I always thank my dad for that. And that movie just brought me back to those nostalgia times. And plus, it's a great movie to watch in the fall. Um, great fall visuals. And when Christopher Robbins is walking through the woods trying to find Pooh Bear, and he's remembering all the Huffalums and Woozles and all the adventures that he had together. Ah, such a whimsical, fun movie. But I did want to talk about this movie and that people always say that Disney live action movies, when they're trying to adapt their animated work, are bad. And I think that's such a ludicrous take. Um, sure, there are some of those attempts like Pinocchio and Lion King that people don't really like to talk about. But there are the Jungle, there's the Jungle Book live action movie, which I think is nearly as perfect as um, the, the animation adaption. Um, but I actually also kind of like the live action remake too of Lion King. Um, I think Donald Glover is a much better Simba than um, Matthew Broderick. Um, I think Timon and Pumbaa are hilarious in the fact that Seth Rogen is voicing Pumbaa. It's just perfect. The voice cast is perfect. And actually, that version of Hakuna Matata, I prefer over the cartoon version. I don't know. It's just something about Don Donald Glover's scene that's just so pleasant to me. And when he hits that note, when it means no worries. Just, oh, it just gives me chills. I love that scene so much. I will say, uh, giving Scar a rap and like a more of like a poetic version of Be Prepared was extremely underwhelming. Um, but I do like the visuals and I see where John Favreau was going with that movie, um, mm -hmm. trying to make it like a documentary style for The Lion King. And I think in some instances it does work, but when the animation that you had for The Lion King back in the animated movie was really meant for those um, pulse-pounding emotional scenes like the stampede scene and when Mufasa dies. I can see where yeah. people are frustrated with that. But then it gets me confused. I'm like, if you wanted to go see the animated version of the story, then go watch the animated version. Why would you yeah. go into something different with the same expectations? And I think... And I think that's why um, when Christopher Robin came out around the time where Disney was just remaking all these live action things, and sure, yeah, some of them are done for a quick buck, but, you know, Christopher Robin had its own story. It didn't really adapt anything and had mm -hmm. its own word to tell and it had its own mind to speak. And I think that it's such a shame that people don't give some movies a chance. And sure, it's not exactly like your childhood, but Christopher Robin made... Winnie the Pooh better for me and going back and seeing it through an adult's per, uh, eyes or lens it's it's really something I like to go back to and I wish people would give more of the movies a chance going back to the don't judge a book by its cover thing I think every movie that comes out in the theater including Morbius deserves a free chance it deserves to be seen. That's why we go to the movies to enjoy movies, to escape and to just wonder and watch and listen and admire creation. And I think when people judge book by its cover, some of that is lost in why some 
theaters aren't open now because some people neglect that experience and it it makes me sad so i want i hope that everybody who is listening try and go to a movie once every two months or so um go admire that piece of artwork and what that director and writer and yeah. artists are trying to say i it some may provide life lessons some provide a hoot and a holler and some leave you extremely depressed and well at least you were entertained by it morbius but that's what i have to say about that all right well as always on raving geeks we like to end our podcast with some uh geek recommendations whether it be books movies tv shows um music anything of the geek nature so carter what's your um recommendation for this week uh my big recommendation is christopher robin of course i think it's such a perfect time to watch uh this fall movie while the leaves are starting to fall and the snow's starting to come in it's a great movie to also watch around thanksgiving same with four brothers um but i'd also like to recommend um a charlie brown thanksgiving it's a great movie to watch around this time and i think that's it okay uh, my recommendations for y'all are, and this one specifically goes out to Carter, Sister Act. Sister Act. Uh, also, you right need now. to watch Sister Act 2, because it is just as beautiful. Um, it doesn't deal with her being in witness protection, but it is still Whoopi Goldberg being a nun um, as a Las Vegas performer. And I do mean performer in the most like PG sense, y'all. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but she, yeah. So those are my two recommendations. But also, um, I want to. Oh crap! What was it? I I know I recommended this in past episodes with my last co-host. Um, but I am finishing this book up, and I'm sitting here going. I don't want to finish it because it's so good and I don't have the sequel with me right now. Um, but Six of Crows by Leah Bardugo. Oh, it has my heart. And I'm fairly certain if I am predicting this right based on the trailer that we got, um, season two of Shadow and Bone is going to follow closely with at least parts of Six of Crows, mm -hmm. um, especially with Matthias being in um, prison and everything, like, huh. so yeah, read Six of Crows. It is so good. Um, you learn more about Jasper and Inej and um, even Kaz and like Kaz Brecker. Oh gosh, he is my child. So <laughs> yes, um, okay. both show and book, he is just like, you protect Kaz record at all costs. Um, so if she kills him off, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> but I haven't gotten, I don't think she's going to kill him off. Um, but like, yeah. So those are my recommendations for this week. Um, as always, if you guys have a recommendation for a question of the week or a topic that you want us to discuss, um, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Raving Geeks or on Facebook, um, which will be updated as well at Raving Geeks. Just search up Raving Geeks. 
Um, and then you can also find us on TikTok at Raving Geeks as well. You can always comment on our videos because um, we can't respond via message because we don't have phone number connected. Woo! Um, but we do respond to comments um, as long as there's not a million of them like there are on our videos that actually kind of go viral. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so reach out to us. Um, we love to hear from you guys. We love to hear that you guys, if you like our show or if you're like, hey, why'd you talk about X? You know, join in our discussion. Um, Cause that, you know, is the whole point of a podcast is to start a discussion and have a discussion. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope to see you guys uh, in our next episode next week. But as always, I am Hope Goodrell along with my co-host. I'm Carter Sally. We hope that you all have a great week and stay geeky, y'all. See ya. See you guys later.